I'm Dustin Hobbs with the California MBA. Welcome to Connect, our new monthly podcast featuring movers and shakers and headliners and legends in the mortgage industry. Today, we're here in Calabasas at Finance of America with Bill Dallas for our first episode. Really excited to hear what Bill has to say. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors at uh, the Real Estate Services Trust. So uh, 2019 is already shaping out to be a challenging year. Bill is nodding here next to me. He's, he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but as an employer in the real estate services industry, you feel a constant pressure to remain competitive against other firms that want to lure away seasoned employees, you know, namely yours. So with high employee turnover costing businesses valuable time and money, you've probably already leveraged common strategies to retain your employees. But we have a fundamental uh, method that's far superior than all. It's a competitive employee benefits package through the Real Estate Services Trust that's put together by the California MBA. We've partnered with Marsha McLennan Agency, a nationwide top leading brokerage firm, to form this, uh, uh, to form the trust. And it provides real estate services employees with competitive benefit plan options at affordable price. Uh, by delivering these quality benefits packages, you can attract and retain a team of employees without breaking the bank. So if you have any questions, if you're a uh, company that has 20 or more enrolled employees, you can take advantage of these large group benefits for uh, small companies and also get access to flexibility and high quality uh, plans that you wouldn't receive on your own. So find out today. You can click the link in the uh, description below to access information about REST. You did that so, well. Thank you, Bill. Well thank done. You, Bill. Well done. So uh, there's a lot to talk about in the industry right now uh, and uh, where things are headed, where we're at now. Um, but uh, before we get into that, I always like to find out sort of where people, how they got their start in the business. And, and it's one of those things that I've always enjoyed uh, talking to folks over the years is finding out how they got started. So tell us, Bill. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a Midwestern, uh, I'm a Midwestern guy, right? Born, in, in fact, if you've read the book Hillbilly Elegy by Vance, that is my life, right? I was, my parents are from West Virginia and Southern Ohio. I'm from, I was born and raised in Southern Ohio, probably the poorest area in Ohio. It's, it was the poorest of all the counties. My, my father was, luckily, my father was a school superintendent. My mother was a teacher and a principal. So I was able to, they both just passed away. My dad worked for me for a while, but it was, it was great because I had, I was highly educated in a very poor community. And so we moved around a lot as my dad was transferred. And that humble beginning really when I graduated from college, I mean, the, the world was, was rusting. The, I mean, the rust belt was moving from agriculture to manufacturing, right? And Ohio is an interesting state because it basically supplies everything to Michigan, which is where all the big three automakers were, yeah. right? So glass, tire, rubber, and we had a river on the bottom and a lake on the top. So it's a, it was a big state, right? So when I graduated, I was liberal, liberal arts, right? I played sports in high, I played football, basketball, baseball in high school. We've won the state in a couple, couple uh, sports, way overachieved, little guy, great at what I did, raised in that. And so I went to Bowling Green for my undergrad, had no idea what I wanted to do, zero. Just knew I needed to graduate from college and I wanted to play sports. What sports were you? What sports were you? Football, basketball, baseball. And so I went there, Division One, to play. I could play my pick. So I went there to play. Uh, I was all state in football. In football. I was all state in basketball. And I was 
all states. So I'm guessing then that you probably weren't a linebacker though. What no, uh, quarterback safety? Quarterback safety. Quarterback safety, shortstop, point guard. All right. right. So in college, I found out that there are a lot of shortstops. Uh, there are a lot of safeties. There's a lot of talent, especially at a D1 level. So I ended up with baseball, playing baseball, which sort of normalizes size at the time. At least it did back then. I don't think it does today. Not as much, um, probably, but yeah. Shortstops were Freddie Potek, and they were 5'4". They're not 6'4", which they are today, yeah. all of them. Yeah, the new generation, for sure. So I you know, came, I graduated liberal arts, and it should have been martial arts, right, because I should have been able to kick somebody's butt versus what the heck am I going to do. And in the summer, I started training realtors for my then my first wife's parents. And we'd gotten married out of college. And that summer, I was 20. I was young. I was like my daughter. I mean, I was 20, graduating from college. I was really a young kid. Um, what am I going to do? Well, uh, I started training realtors for a company that led me to a bigger company who saw me speak. The great thing about it was, I think what I learned right then was my passion for real estate because I, I didn't understand it. I'd never seen it. And, and to me, real estate is the eighth wonder of the world, right? You can buy something with leverage, put no money down, low money down, have that asset appreciate, you can depreciate it, you can rent it, you can gather income from it. It's tax advantage. I mean, the government, it basically is, and I'm a you know, I'll tell you the rest when I move out, but, you know, I'm a lawyer by trade, but uh, it is privileged and it's in the Constitution, right? Absolutely. And so tax deductibility, all those things that we sort of take for granted, whether it's capital gains and the treatment that we get, but just the mandate for affordable housing in America, which drives FHA, which drives, we're going to give every veteran a no money down loan, right? All those things come from the commitment that the government made that said, basically, we think housing is fundamental to the fabric of society. And so my goal was, I never heard about it. I didn't know anything about it. I fell in love with it. The passion that I had for it, but I was trained in realtor. Apparently still have. And I love it. Yeah. Right. And I try to give it to everybody because it's a great equalizer. doesn't matter race, color, creed, religion. I was a white kid who was 20, and I didn't want to go through the process of watching. I didn't want to have to be an AVP, an EP, and you know, through all that. I wanted to jump, so I jumped into real estate as a trainer. That taught me sales language, and I was professionally schooled on what to say, how to say it, when to say it, and I tried to translate that to other realtors. Well, at that time, real estate business, especially residential, was primarily a man's business. Well, in the time that I started training, 87% of the people that I trained were women. Wow. So it gave me my, it was my hashtag me too moment, right? We were just talking a little bit about it. And what it taught me was how women, especially in this industry, uh, dominated because of their ability to convey language, colors, ambiance, views, things that men struggle with. But at the end of the day, what it taught me was how important training is and how important finance was. 
And so I was uh, a trainer and was speaking, was my first plane flight was to Atlanta, Georgia. And I, I spoke, uh, I went to a train the trainer event that Steve Brown, they were Jerry Bresser, Steve Brown, Tommy Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, all these people that actually trained back then. So I went to one of these training seminars and won this presentation. The guy that saw me present hired me and moved me to California. And I always wanted to be a lawyer. So I went to Santa Clara, moved out. And within uh, a week, he got fired for drug abuse. And I was promoted to run the entire company. I'm 21 or 22 years old. We owned a mortgage liberal company, arts liberal arts degree, highly trainable. Hadn't been in California, got my broker's license, right? Got my real estate broker's license and became sort of the general manager. And we owned a mortgage business called Winchester Mortgage. The company was American Realty at the time in San Jose. And so I, I started running both businesses. Interest rates went from single digits to double digits. We're now at 20%. And we basically have, you know, all of our hostages on the tarmac, we have interest rates at 20. We have high unemployment. The world was in the crapper, and that's how I cut my teeth. And so I moved. Came at the perfect time. It was right because people say it's bad today, but you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I got interest rates at four. I've got a great economy. Great economy. I've got housing that's everywhere. Yeah, we've got some competitive issues. But we don't have issues that are non-starters, right? Let's Absolutely. don't even who wants a house, right? And, and think about that in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Who wants a house? Well, everybody wants one today. Well, I think it just shows you the trajectory that mortgage has been on. And so I started, in fact, I have the little sign over there. I started uh, first Franklin on Franklin Street in Santa Clara in 1981. Walked across the street at night for six years to get my law degree and ran my business. And that's my story. And I sold, I've sold that business, First Franklin. I sold it three or four times. And I and I and I got most of my um, gathered most of my expertise from my comrades, and most of them were at the CMBA. Now, right. California, I mean, that, that yeah, back Maine. then, yeah. CMBA, Absolutely. Maine, yeah. and we were a commercial, very small, fragmented group of independent mortgage banks, and today, right, we've consolidated back into banks, and we've now fragmented again back to independent mortgage banks, but I've always told people the story that whoever has a 70% market share, whether it be the, the mortgage brokers, the mortgage bankers, the savings and loans, the banks, the credit, you can pick them, right? Everybody's had their stable. When you get 70% market share, you generally go down because you, it's just, it's a tough business. Not sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And so mine is, you have to be in it for a long period of time and a lot of things have changed. But at the end of the day, my partnership with CMBA, that's why I've, I've, I've always been, whether it's MBA or CMBA, and yes, there's Canby. I started Canby, the California Association of Mortgage Brokers, NAMBI, and now AIM, right? You've got 
mortgage brokers. My view of that is it's really an interesting gradation of originators because you're either work for me, right? You work for me and you don't really want to, so you actually have a net branch, right? Yeah. Which is like everybody, right? So you're either a full-fledged, card-carrying, Finance of America person, or you're not, but you still are part of it. I call this my Brexit moment where, you know, I'm, I'm a staunch Irishman or Scottish, and yet I really, do I want the currency? Yeah, I need currency, I need capital, but I, I'm staunchly independent. Or I am an independent. So captive versus independent mortgage broker, we're sort of in that change right now. Yeah. And costs, I mean, it costs a lot to house independent retail, distributed retail. It costs very little to house and buy and sell mortgage brokers, but commodity business versus not. So I think where we sit really is an interesting time. And then from there, right, I started, I'd sold First Franklin, but I started own it. So I'm probably the most unique thing. I am a purchase person. And so I invented the 100% loan, right, with First Franklin and own it, and that most people use to impale themselves on. We, I've also started Interthinks, right, which is the largest fraud detection business in the space. I was involved, and that came from Gaps and a few other friends that we knew. And I think today started Cloud Virga, which is really what I think is the next big thing, really, which is how do you automate and help loan advisors pick up speed so they can compete with the Quickens and the consumer. The consumer's got plenty of technology. We don't have any. And so we're going to lose traction with the consumer, lose trust with the consumer, just out of sheer we look like we're farmers, right? Or like I said, I, I feel like it's, it's just a very difficult time if you can't compete and have all those tools. So I think when you fast forward to today, right, um, walking through one of the most interesting pieces of my career was when I, when I owned a vendor, right? So I got on the other side. I got to see the other side and I got to look under the hood to everybody. Mm. So I got a chance to meet, see, talk, discuss, and that made me even more resolute to what I think are some of the issues that are affecting the, the business and how do you compete, right? Because I was always an independent mortgage bank with, it was my own capital. I didn't have anybody else's capital. So when I got this time, I, I re-entered the business after closing Own It and selling inner things and Mindbox, I own Mindbox, I had all these other businesses. Once we, and, and that taught me really pricing engines, sort of, we always knew that the title companies sort of own everything, right? So they have all this technology appraisal, credit, all these things are coming at a, a mortgage company. And, and then we added one thing, compliance, right? We didn't really, we sort of complied, right, back then. And today, what I think marketing, probably the hardest thing to comply with. Absolutely. Licensing, maybe that's the hardest, right? Because if we're going to be independent mortgage banks, how do we do that and do that well? 
But then you look at all the other issues that sort of run into a fabric. Think about building a technology platform where everything's got to be there. Yeah. Right. Everything. You got to have your a forget your APR, but you've got to bring disclosures. We I mean we we barely disclose state by state, state by state, locale yeah. by locale. Some case. Yeah. Right. So what I found was things that had fundamentally changed were disclosing. And now we have to disclose after every change of circumstance, Absolutely. right? Yep. I have to give the consumer, I have to unbundle. The consumer can't pay for this. They can pay for that. RESPA, we never tested RESPA. We didn't test, you know, we didn't have a tolerance. We didn't have any of those things. I mean, they existed, but you had even your law changes. I mean, we've gone through systemic law changes from a HUD-1 to an LECD, to all these different things. Well, the cool thing about what I've been able to do is, you know, I'm in it. So I can build technology that actually works for the business. And, and, and technology is sort of a, a big word, right? It's like, so my view of forget tech, it's basically automation and process systematics. Systemization. It's more than just bells and whistles. It's it really is. A, a process. And it has to work, yeah. right? Because you need, you want to take, if I'm getting my pricing over here from optimal, I mean, so think about, I mean, I run a business, right? All my money's in, in derivative locks today. And I lock out of the system. And then I have to do concessions and extensions inside the system. And you can't pay for them. Anymore. I mean, I can't share them with my loan officer. So yeah. all those rule changes and all those laws are probably hundreds of them that all got smushed, had to go into a platform. And so we called the platform the Intelligent Mortgage Platform. And actually, my original partner at Skyline was Ellie Mae, yeah. which I think, what a great story. Yeah. Right. You have SIG, a whole bunch of, I mean, they bought Contour and Genesis and smushed those things together and called it Encompass. Yeah. Right. And then we said Encompass Broker. Then we had E360. And, and it's still an old system, but it's a great system. And most people use it. Right. It is the state of the art platform for mortgage brokers. It was worth nothing. Now it's billions of dollars of value. Well, that stimulated me. Because I said, if they can build something and they're not going to reinvent the world because they have to manage the world that they're currently in. Sure. So I went off to say, okay, I'm solving the problem for an originator. So originator can actually be a call center themselves. Because I don't want a bunch of branches and a bunch of overhead. I always call this the no posse rule. I love originators, right? I don't like all the overhead that comes with them, right? I don't need a branch, a lease, you know, an LOA, a processor, you know, 27 people. Why? Because they do... Most originators do two loans a month. Yeah. Well, how am I going to sustain all my other costs with that? So <clears throat> that conundrum, and then Quicken took off, right? Then Rocket Mobile took off. Well, look, since 2009, we had no cloud. We have no automation in the business. No automation has changed. Underwriting guidelines haven't changed. Mobile showed up. We don't have any mobile that works for anything. Our customer is basically democratized. 
The MLS, it used to be the clandestine thing that realtors could put your life in the car, drive you around. I'll show you what the price is, but here, here it is. I had a Thomas guide where I had to go figure out the map just where I was going because I had no idea. You know, all of that is embedded into Zillow, Redfield. Yeah. Plus an estimate. I might even know what my house is worth. Probably not right, but it, at least it's, it's directionally well, it's correct. Estimate. Yeah, it's, it's correct to, to them. At the end of it, <clears throat> what that did was sort of change the behavior of our buyer. And I think we call them millennials. We call this stuff today. But at the end of the day, it's just using technology to look. And then HGTV is teaching you how to flip. Everybody wants to improve. Well, you can profit $60,000 in 30 minutes. I mean, in theory, right? You can day trade too. <laughs> and most of these people think it's easy. What well, isn't easy? No. And you're about, and I just said my, my whole role uh, and what I uh, rolled out to all of our people is this is the end of easy. I mean, I said, if you want to say one line, it's the end of easy. It's over. It could be, it's still simple. But it's not easy. And that's what my grandma always said was most great things are extraordinarily simple. They're not easy. So do you have, are you resolute enough as a CMBA member or as a mortgage company to do this? <clears throat> because this is purchase. It's a hard transaction. Highly compliant. <clears throat> got to have technology. Got to have strategy. And if you don't have a strategy today to compete, you will die. I mean, you will die. You could die slowly if you have a lot of capital, and you'll die fast with no capital. Yeah. But you have to have a strategy, and our customer is running, and we are walking backwards. So with that customer, where do you see, like, in five years, what is customer experience going to look like? I mean, that's you know, it seems to be one of the buzzwords in the last couple of years. It has been, and I think the, 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 the customer is foreshadowing that to you, I think. I'm operating on mobile, I'm looking, and I'm searching. So I think for sure, Rocket has proven that we can search and do some things on mobile. They don't transact on mobile. I mean, think about all the ads. I mean, I had a gentleman that we had come speak to us from Google. And Google's a search engine, right? And they have all this data and they're advanced in machine learning, they're advanced in AI, and they have all that, but ultimately they're a search engine. So you would think that all their money and all their time and all their effort would be on being a search engine. No, all their money and time and effort's on mobile. Why? Because they know that you are going to buy. You're going to get your indication to buy on mobile. Then you're going to the web, or I'm coming into the branch. Yep. Right? And so how do I keep that customer. And that's the challenge for a loan officer. Or, you know, I hear my customers are disloyal. Well, hell yeah, they're disloyal because they can go online right now or in two seconds, hit lending tree, get a bunch of rates for any type of product you want. You can you can search. I can go on Redfin. I can go on Zillow. I can go on HomeScout. I can go on HomeStack. I can take any mobile app that you want and go look around at every house on the planet. I can go on every home service, right? The amount of information that's available to the consumer dwarfs 
And then we sort of come back and try to say, whoa, dude, slow down. You got to come into our world, right? And I think the ads that Quicken are doing about, hey, you want MIP, MIP, you know, disclosure, you're going to do this, behavior, verification of employment, you do your VOE, VOD, all these different things that they talk about. Consumer doesn't give a hoot about any of that. And you look at us, I think probably a great example is we probably have a thousand products in, in our pricing engines. So you're seeing more of a, you know, the, the future of the, the loan officers, not necessarily just providing a mortgage, a, you know, one single product. They're going to have to provide more than that. Well, I think because, and I'll, I'll go back, I think because we sell servicing. Remember, my old business was very valuable, First Franklin, because I retained it. Right. So I, when I sold my business, I had almost $10 billion of servicing. This is in the 90s. Right. Servicing's off balance sheet worth a point, point and a half. Right. So it's very valuable. Today, most of these originators they don't have anything. They just have overhead. They have expense. And so they're not worth anything. So how then and if you're selling your servicing, how do I stay in contact with the customer? So you're going to have to have a strategy where you sell the servicing or what I'm going to say, sell the transaction and retain the customer. And so noodle on that for a while. So my whole strategic focus is on making the consumer faster, better, quicker. I want to put the mortgage in the hands of the consumer with the help of an advisor. And then I want to make the advisor relevant, right? How do I do that? Well, you have, what do we do well? I mean, if you look at mortgage people, well, we're pretty much debt advisors, right? We're not mortgage people, right? I start with, okay, I have to clean you up, spit shine you, look at your FICO score, look at your credit, look at all your debts. I mean, we're good at this, right? We're also good at putting you into, I mean, it's like this. I don't know if the old uh, cheeseburger, I keep thinking of the, whether it was a Saturday Night Live skit with Belushi and Ackroyd, but it was a cheeseburger, 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 Petsy. Yep. Well, we take all these things and say you want a 4% 30-year fixed rate loan, 4% 30-year fixed rate loan, 4%. Well, people don't fit. Guidelines haven't changed. We, don't, we should underwrite every business. We should underwrite every career. We should underwrite things differently. So, I mean, to that point, I mean, you've got so many people now and I've talked to a couple of companies that are sort of, uh, you know, on the uh, leading edge of this, of uh, sort of figuring out how to price or, or uh, verify income for um, uh, gig economy jobs. I mean, what do we do for that? What, I mean, because if that becomes, you know, more of a significant part of the economy, which it clearly seems like it's going that direction, how does mortgage company, how does Finance of America, you know, what do you do with the customer that comes We in? have to create two things. We have to create more products because I have to be relevant. So what we're doing is we're basically saying we're debt advisors, we're not loan officers. I think Built the Last and other books have taught you that if you define your job very narrowly, like railroads, if you would have if you would have defined a railroad as transportation, you'd still be winning. Instead, we define if we define ourselves as mortgage, we're going to die. So my view of that is more products, right? Offer more. We own Campus Door. We have the largest reverse business in the United States. We've invented the only other reverse product called HomeSafe. We have fix and flip, right? We have to go to personal loans. We have to go to seconds. We have to go to HELOCs. We have to go to installment loans. All those products have to be available to a loan advisor. 
And the challenge with that is almost all of them have a different regulatory stack. They all have different licensing approvals because I'm not a bank. And how is a bank, how's a non-bank going to compete with banks? That's how. My view is I have to have capital. So we're backed by Blackstone, right? We have a big balance sheet. We can't use it, right? Once you use it, I mean, everybody says you got a big balance sheet. Well, it's cash. Yeah. So you've got to make money and you've got to be relevant. So our view of that is offer these products and then invent a couple mortgage products. The challenge with mortgage is that they, the government in this last go-round launched non-QM. So they sort of took the best two consumer products, which I would say if you asked consumers, especially I'm in California, right? So maybe my Ohio people aren't asking for a HELOC right now. They're asking for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. But in California, they like IOs and HELOCs, interest only and home equity line of credit. Both trying to tell a first-time home buyer in California to put down 20%. I mean, it's, it's unheard of. Yeah. 20% of a million, you have 200 grand walking around. <laughs> Sitting around, yep. No, and even if I yeah. did, I wouldn't want to use it, right? Yeah. So how do I do that, right? I think, and so that's my, my skill set really has been that I spent 15 years selling all my loans to federal government. Now I'm back to selling them to the federal government again. I think... But I did spend 15 years with my own product, right? This 80-20, 100%. Why? Every customer wants leverage. Every customer needs to be underwritten differently. I'll give you a good example of just one, one example, right? We're in the real estate business. And if you want to count rental income, you got to go through it. It's an act of God to count rental income. You got to... I mean, we're in the real estate business. We don't use it as an asset. We don't allow customers to use it as an asset, really. We take 70% of the rent. We'll take 70% of the rents, but you've got to be a professional manager. I mean, we've written guidelines that basically say we don't trust our asset. What's my major asset? I want every consumer to own a home. I want every consumer to own a rental. I want every consumer to leverage that rental so that they can use that asset. Do you really want to put your money in the bank at a quarter? Yeah. I mean, you don't. No. But I do want, if I have to have, li- got a rental property if I have to have liquid assets to close, then why am I not counting real estate as my primary liquid asset? Well, because it's illiquid. Well, so stocks and bonds, shit, they go down every five minutes. I mean, Everything that people, most investments that people make today are alternative investments. Are they liquid? No. I mean, so what? You want to force everybody into the stock market, watch it go into the shitter and watch us go into the tank again? Real estate has the ability to weather all those storms. And it always has. We have to value that. So change that guideline. Another great one would be, I don't know anybody today in the gig economy that doesn't have a roommate. Hmm. And I can't, how do I count roommate income? Well, one yeah. of my best guidelines at Own It and at First Franklin was roommate income. Why? All I had to do was say, you just have to prove that you've had it for six to 12 months. Show me the deposit statements. Of you're renting that room to your son, your daughter, to a cousin, you're at college, you got, or you're a first generation Latino, 
Second generation, you got 20 people living in your house, right? Now we've got all of our kids moving back in. And I got five kids. They're all in that age. They don't want to leave. Are you getting any roommate income from them? We don't get any roommate income and they can't count it. It's terrible. But those are just two great examples for as we move forward, I have to be able to look at income in a different way. What we, the good news about this is what we've proven is that income isn't correlative to default. Because right. when you lose your job, that's correlative, right? Yeah. And so there's two things you have to separate when you look at risk. One is default and one is severity. How much do I lose when you default? So more money down means I lose less, but income has never been correlative. Why? Because people lie about their income. People can have it taken away in a minute. Yep. People, and so what is the great equalizer? It generally speaking is your score, is your FICO score. So score is so important to everything that you're going to do because it'll allow you to be fungible in terms of what you borrow and how you borrow it. But consumers, if I'm a consumer today and I'm going to get my mortgage from a mortgage broker, I'm going to bank with Wells Fargo, I'm going to get my credit card with Cap One, I'm going to get a personal loan to you know, Prosper, and I'm going to do, I'm going to get a car loan from GMAC, I'm going to do all those things. Okay, you've disintermediated everybody. I guarantee you, you've hosed everybody in your own credit. Yeah. So my job as a loan officer is to look at you holistically and try to help you manage it. Because my, my parents' generation, debt averse. Our generation, I'm gonna add you to me a little bit, even though I'm older than you. Our generation, credit cards, learned how to bank, right? Credit checks and credit cards. This generation, swipe. Everything swipe. Swipe, yeah. and it's too fat, debt abuse. So we've gone from debt averse to debt abuse. I think the Future, if you look at every business today, they have a project, project inside every business for financial wealth for their employees. Well, and that's our job. Our job isn't mortgage. Our job is financial wellness. Yeah, and I sell you a product because I got to make some money. When it's certainly going that way with, uh, you know, cards and, and banking. So I, it cracks me up, my, uh, our, uh, my kids. We have to explain to them what coins are. Is they don't ever see it in real life. Well, we pull them out and explain what they are I, and how I, they used to be used and how, in theory, they're used today, but not really. Dude, savings account. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. Banking, a check. They don't bank or check. They take a picture of it, right? And they swipe, they spend, they have credit. I mean, they, my kid, I have five kids. They, I have to almost take them all into a detox center, right? Yeah. And, and the, I'm in mortgage. Right. So you would think they do over time, but everybody's a little everybody's bit different. To it. And yep. then we get married. Then we get divorced. Seventy percent of the time in Ventura County, 50 percent of the time nationwide. Now you split in two. Now you've got bad credit. Your kids run out. I mean, you we have created a a, a very difficult Part. And now with jobs, there is no Fortune 500, there is no Fortune 100. So employers want to now really outsource employment 
I think that's actually what is going to happen in mortgage is that they're going to, we're going to find out that retail and distributed retail is too expensive. We're either going to try to centralize it in call center or outsource it to brokers. Why? I don't want that cost. I mean, if you want a branch, you want to pay for all those things, great. But it's just too expensive to do one or two loans. So you have to figure out how you aggregate that. But at the end of the day, I'm excited about, I mean, there's so much money to be made in confusion. And there's no money to be made when everybody knows and all things are good. And so this is target rich for entrepreneurs. It's target rich for independent mortgage banks. You just have to have a strategy. And I think like we're in Q1, right, of 19. Q1 of 19 is a holy shit moment for most people because Q4 was bad. 18 was a 18 was probably if you took all the years since we've been keeping records in the late 70s, early 80s to today about originations, 18 was a historic year. It's in the top five, maybe top 10. I mean, it was almost a two trillion dollar year, right? In originations, yeah. our height being four trillion, our low being a hundred billion, right? A hundred billion when I started. It's not even a good yeah. month at Wells no. Fargo, right? So I think, I think what we have to do is reset our view. Our consumers just different, and we're laggards. So how do we compete? How are you going to do that? And I think that's the conundrum that I think CMBA can help people with. That's what I try to help people with. The millennial, I wouldn't get so caught up into labeling. Like, I hate the word subprime. I hate non-QM. I hate le- putting labels on people, right? But this generation of debt abusers is, is our opportunity. As, and yet, so how do we come a, become a trusted advisor, debt advisor, to people? Well, it, you're going to need mobile. You're going to need web. You're going to need a brand. You'll need some capital, right? You're going to have to bring all that together in a vision. And if you're a loan officer, you know, if we're independent loan officers or we're independent businesses, how do we get to customers first? And then if we don't and the customer comes to us, what are they trusting? Right? Because I actually think the internet has just made it lack of trust. Although most people, if you use your internet or you use your intranet, you trust that information that's on there today, pretty much. I mean, there's fake news. Sure. There's a whole bunch of stuff, but holy Moses. I mean, if you're going to check rates, what are you going to do? Yeah, right now, right? Get a colossal. If I want to go to SoFi, I can see them all displayed, right? I can go through a bunch of things. How am I going to get in front of you? And with what information that I don't already have? And why would they trust you? Yeah. Why am I going to go to <clears throat> Finance of America? You know, <clears throat> there's uh, positive. We don't have a brand. Why, why wouldn't we all just go to Quicken? They're the only brand that spends any money. Right? Yeah. And so I think we're in the early stages of figuring that out. And yeah. I think what we did was just try to build a so at CV at Cloud Verga, I had at Skyline, 
I had two businesses inside one, and I'd raised money with the largest VC firm in Southern California called Upfront Ventures. So, and I, and my initial partner was Ellie May. I'm trying to figure out, and so if you, I'm going to say it poorly, but it was sort of like it was my own lab. You know, right? I'm a lab rat, right? Now, and so when you, I get to put my loan officers into a call center, so that doesn't work. Then I said, I get to put them into a branch, so that doesn't work. Do I provide them the lead? What comp plan do they want? How does a purchase work, right, in that environment? And then I got to see every, I mean, so we started building in 2010. Everything's brand new. I got the cloud, which makes things so much simpler for storage. I've got mobile, I've got speed, Right, I've got Wi-Fi everywhere. Shoot, in the old days we had WAN lands and we were just dying. Right, it was just terrible. Well, printers, I mean documents, all those things. I mean, for people who are my age, I mean the credit report was just funny. You'd wait for it to come in the mail, and it'd be like twenty pages, and it's like you're uncovering stuff as you go. So it's changed massively. So I, I think for you and I. Uh, the challenge is going to be building a coherent strategy so that your loan advisors trust you and will follow you into this abyss, right? Of whatever we're going to call it, right? But it, the market's good. Housing's strong. I mean, yeah, we got problems, but at the end of the day, my view, hey, press has really slaughtered this. So, I think we've overreacted. So how do we, how, I mean, we've got a really dysfunctional secondary market. Your agencies are still bankrupt. They're still owned by the federal government. The government doesn't want to own them, right? So we can no. talk about yeah. Fannie and Freddie, Jenny May. This is about a hundred people work at Jenny May. I mean, it, I mean like I talk, told you, most California companies back in the 80s, when, when I started, nobody would do uh, an FHA or VA loan because Jenny Mae was always out of money and the government was always shutting it down. Well, today it's 25% of the business. Why? Because we all know that affordable housing is hard to find, especially in unaffordable areas. And you need the government in those cases with VA to support veterans and FHA to support normal human beings to buy homes, right? And whether they're dreamers or whether they're just first time home buyers, right? Or, I mean, I can think of, it's, it's, it's a product of leverage and you can't, I mean, I can't have the press, the government saying that leverage is bad. Yeah. Leverage is the only way. So how are we going to do that? It has to be product. And non-QM, so in the world right now, right, because we've gone out of vanilla, we're now into, we're not in 31 flavors like we used to be. I'm just going to, uh, we don't have to go to Baskin and Robbins and wrap it. It's like I said, I guess the worst thing would be Baskin and Robbins and a CVS receipt, which is like 70 pages. That's where we are, right? I want to go back to Neapolitan, maybe three flavors. And when I built the technology platform, 
What we saw our customer do is a 30 year fix. We saw him do a 15 year. We see him do an IO. And we see him do a second. And if you think about technology platforms, you want to do a second? You can. You got to mirror the first, you got to redo the thing. So part of it is just thinking it through so that 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 you can combine a first and a second. I actually think every consumer should have a HELOC. I actually think you probably should have had you should have a HELOC first versus the 30-year first because you aren't going to be in it 30 years. I mean the consumer's gone from 12 years. Our our gold book of just valuing mortgages has gone from 12 years to eight years to six years to four years to two years to all right, just don't refinance my customer. So sign this contract, which is what most wholesalers want you to do. Promise to sell me the servicing and you don't call the con, you know, right. Not going to happen. The consumer's going to call me. They're not going to call you. Yeah, it's true. Right? So how do we, how do we create technology systems and processes that allow us to, if our consumer's sprinting with technology, how do we start running just to get close? Just to catch up. Just to catch up. Because they're way out there. Absolutely. Right? Way out there. Well, we're going to have to finish this uh, discussion another time here. We'll have to catch up in uh, a couple of years and, and see where we're at and, and uh, follow up. I had, I think, three or four more questions that we didn't get to. But uh, thanks, Bill, for your time. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. Thank and, you. Uh, if you have any questions about the California MBA or our uh, new podcast, Connect, uh, be sure to go to the California MBA website, cmba.com. And uh, we'll catch you next time.